all the business and entrepreneurship stuff we're doing is fun, but like we're not sacrificing entrepreneurship to be a dad, right? It's the opposite. It's like I'm a dad first. Like that's that's the goal. Like all the business stuff is fun and it keeps our minds engaged and fun and growing, but it's it doesn't actually matter. I tell my team that a bunch of times. Like it doesn't actually like also we're doing doesn't really matter when all said and done. Like it's something to entertain us while we're here for the next 80 years and then yeah. we're gone. But the things that actually matter are the rest of them. So it's not like I'm sacrificing entrepreneurship to be a parent. It's like I'm a parent and then I get to fill in entrepreneurship in the gaps, right? When it comes to building a business empire online while intentionally cultivating a thriving life at home with kids, well, there is no roadmap. It's not easy. But the great news is we're not alone. We live in a crazy world that is truly unlike any other time in our history. And if you're like me, you've got an impact of your own to make. But you're not willing to sacrifice your relationship with those that you love in order to get it. My name is Stephanie Dove Blake, and this is the Powerful Parenting Journey Podcast, where we'll journey together to learn what it means to be a truly powerful parent. Let's go. Okay, you guys, I'm so incredibly excited to share this interview with you. I had the honor and the privilege of interviewing my mentor and friend, Russell Brunson in Mexico. What? It was so crazy. The reason this interview was so important for me is because Russell is not only quite possibly the greatest marketer of our time, but over the years, I've watched him truly intentionally work to put his family first and then in turn work to inspire others to do the same. Whether that comes in the form of adjusting everything in his schedule so that he can coach his boys in wrestling and be at every game or prioritizing time with his wife, Colette, and the kids regularly, these things are one of my many reasons that I continue to learn from Russell and choose to pay him to be in his highest masterminds. No one's perfect, but Russell has shared some insights on this podcast that I think you're going to love. But there's this one in particular that I want you to listen for. I asked Russell a question that I've asked many other entrepreneurs about sacrificing in business so that we can prioritize our family, and his answer really blew me away. It's a true paradigm shifter. I hope it impacts you like it did me. Enjoy. Russell, I just appreciate you so much coming onto the podcast, and my main reason for wanting to have you on is because you are a family man. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, in a sea of entrepreneurs that are out there doing pretty stinking amazing things, you've been so intentional to make that a forefront and actually to call it out. And so um, for all of us entrepreneurs, as we're charging forward, we're trying to change the world, um, trying to make a difference for our families. It's sometimes so hard to keep the first thing, the first thing, but yet here you are. It's almost like you champion that, you know, you champion uh, faith and family and funnels. Mm-hmm. And so the three F's. Yeah. The three F's. <laughs> so how, why? Like, because a lot of people don't choose to do that. Yeah. What is it in you that um, makes you want to put family first? Yeah. I think it's interesting because when I started, got started on this journey, you said almost like 20 years ago now. Um, so I was, I was like a young, like you know, 20, whatever, 22, 23 year old, just gotten married. And we, Clem had been trying to have kids and you know, we had all the fertility issues and stuff. It took a long time and we finally had kids. It was, it was so great. And there's someone else who was in the business at the same time as me. Um, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but they also had twins um, almost like a year after we did. And I remember because we were in an event and I had BrunsonTwins.com. I had my kids, like their pictures of them, all that stuff. And then he was like, oh, I bought my version. He showed me his version. I was so excited for him and his wife and stuff. And then, uh, like less than a year later, I saw him at an event and he was there and he was not with his wife. He was somebody else. And later I asked him like, like what happened? He said, Oh, you know, and, you know, the story. And I was just like sick to my stomach. And I remember thinking, I was like, man, what's that quote? Like you can, 
like what I was like, what is it? Profit, what profit yeah. man? Yeah, if he gains yeah. the whole world and loses his own soul. Not that he lost his soul, but like he lost the thing, right? Like you think about most people who start in entrepreneurship, it's because the the original dream is like, I want more time. So I can be with my family and be with my my spouse, me like and then we set that as the the dream. And so we go on this journey to try to create this dream, but then somewhere in the journey, we lose the vision of the reason why we, we went on the journey. And remember that he was the first one I saw. And it, it was it was such a big shock to my system because I know what I had gone through to be able to meet Colette and be able to have kids. And the twins were such a huge thing for us. And then someone else who had the same experience. And I saw that so fast. And I was like, this can happen fast. Like people can lose their, lose their way so fast. And, um, and then now doing this 20 years, I've seen it so many times where people get success. And then, you know, all of a sudden they, they forget about the, the people and, the, and the, the things that were so important to them in the beginning. And I think that um, the journey, the hero's journey we all are going on as entrepreneurs can blind us um, to what's actually really important. And so I've been trying, I've tried my whole life not to, <laughs> as much as I can. It's hard, yeah. but it's like always knowing that like, okay, like I'm doing this because I want to be with my wife. I want to be with my kids. Like I love them. Like they're number one. That's the purpose. And that's, I think the reason why I was aware of it so I can try to craft my life around that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, was there ever a time where you actually found yourself kind of blinded by that? Because I, I mean, it seems like in whenever you're an entrepreneur and, and I have to say, if there's, there's any people who aren't entrepreneurs listening, it can happen for anybody, but whenever you are building a business and you're doing all these things, you've got a million things going on in your mind and you might be a little ADHD like me. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, you're, you're yep. really trying to balance everything. And then, um, you, it feels like you snapped your fingers and you look up and it's like, wait, hold, whoa, whoa. And the train's moving. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, no. And you have to course correct. Like, did you ever find yourself in a spot yeah. where you were there? Yep. I specifically remember the, the moment it was, uh, you know, one of those moments. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, had, it was when I had first, I got in this business, I'd started it. I was, it's kind of fun. Actually, there's some of these stories I've forgotten about till, you know, people ever ask these questions. So by, I had gone to my first seminar. I'd seen someone sell from stage. I told that story, you know, again today. But I was like, I want to learn how to do this, how to speak from stage and learn how to sell. And this is before there were webinars and, you know, yeah. things like that. And so I was on the road. And so I would get asked uh, almost every weekend to go speak somewhere. So at first I was taking every opportunity because I need to learn how to speak, you know. I was going, you know, every every weekend I'd fly to, to some city around the country to go and speak. And and at first it was so exciting because you go to new places, meet new people and like all the stories and you're eating out food every night and like just all the, the things, Newness, right? you know? Yeah. yeah. And then mm -hmm. I call my wife and she's home with the twins and you know, she's tired and worn out. And I'm like, I'm having so much fun. And remember there's like, there's this weird disconnect I could feel there. I was just like, man, like I feel so bad. I'm having so much fun. And she's, you know, and I felt guilt behind that, but I was also like, but I'm trying to pursue this thing for us. And so there was, there was that. And um, I did it for almost two years, like trying to figure out this craft. And I got better at it and better at it. And then I remember one night, um, I was at home and hanging out with the kids and everything, you know, and they were probably one years old that time. So, you know, so cute. And then I knew that I had a flight that night that I had to go to. So I ended up giving, you know, giving the twins back to Colette. And then I packed up my stuff and jumped in the car and I drove to the Boise airport. And it was a late flight. It was like a red light, a red, red eye yeah. flight. Yeah. So I think it was 11, 30, 12. And I go through the whole airport and I sit down and I'm looking around and I'm the only person in the airport. There's nobody else. I'm sitting here waiting for my flight. And I was just like, why am I doing this? Like, I want to be back home, like snuggling the kids in bed, like being with Colette and all those kind of things. And uh, I remember I texted her. I was like, uh, I wish I still had that old, it was an old flip phone, you know? So I wish I still had to see exactly what, but my memory was like, I told her like, I'm, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to speak anymore. And then she wrote back, she's like, that's how we make our money. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to figure out <laughs> some other version of this because 
I don't want to be here. Like I, I remember that. And so I went on that trip and the whole trip, I was just like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. And so I remember uh, emailing all the other speaking engagements I had and kind of canceling them. And then uh, when people started asking me, I was like, no, I don't speak anymore. And I didn't for a couple of years. I was just like, I don't speak on the road. And so then the next thing is like, well, I had to figure out another way to do that. And luckily back then, teleseminars were a thing that were happening. Oh, yeah. Pre-webinars. Okay. In fact, Alex Mendoza put out a course called Teleseminar Secrets. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy that course. And so I bought Teleseminar Secrets and started listening to it. And we started you know, doing phones and getting people to register for these phone calls. And we do the things. And um, that was the next, the next evolution. That lasted a couple of years. And the webinars came out and just, it was, it was like, I had to change the platform to be able to be with my kids. And mm-hmm. so that's what we did is we made the shifts and the, the changes. And then um, I was able to do both, which is the goal. That's amazing. And so if you could think back to that moment though, because a lot of people find themselves in a situation and it seemed like your motivation at that time was purely because you just wanted to be there. You wanted to be with Colette. You wanted to be with the, the twins. Um, was it because Colette was, was she struggling? Did you, but, or was it where you just like genuinely you wanted to be there with them? I think it's all the things, you know, my whole dream grow up, I want to be a parent. I want to be a dad. And then so that you're missing those things and you come back and you see them and like, especially the age, they shift so much, you know, yeah. you're gone for three or four days, you come back and it's like, oh, they're you, so like you miss fast. so much. So there's that. There's also, you know, people talk about mom guilt a lot, but dads have, at least me, like dad guilt, just like, oh, like I should be there. And like, you know, at this point in my life, I should have this figured out so I can, you know, there's those kind of things. And there's also the guilt of like, I really liked it. Like I like speaking. I like, you know, I got a lot of significance from it. And like, it's like, man, so there's that, that tug of war as well too, where it's like, I feel good doing these things. And like, it feels good for my ego and I really enjoy it. I'm getting good at it. And like yeah. all those things are so... All those things are kind of hard, but I think ultimately for me, it was just like, you see, you know, the twins are so little and so cute. It's just like, oh, I, like, I should be it. here. I'm missing the, we tried so hard, but we had to go through fertility and all the things to, you know, get them here. I'm like, hey, they're here. And then I'm like, I'm gone. Like, ugh, like, yeah, I want to miss that. I think we've all felt that. Like mm-hmm. we've all felt that as entrepreneurs, when there's this thing that's inside of us, I love that you brought out the significance because mm-hmm. sometimes whenever we're building these things, um, especially, uh, I think it's equal for men and women in different ways. Um, but for women, you know, uh, whenever we're building this business, then there's this mom guilt of, you know, um, all the different things that a mom and the nurturing side of all of it. And whenever we're stepping away and we feel that pull back, right. That pull draws Mm -hmm. us back in. Oftentimes it's really hard to say no, right. It's really hard to just cut that off because you're sacrificing that significance because maybe at home we were doing the laundry and we were (laughs) stuck in the dishes and all the things on Nobody's the thank- you how great you are at that point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thankless jobs that, you know, they're micro things that we're doing that equate to really huge things in our children's lives in their development. But mm-hmm. in in the the shadow moments or the quiet moments, they aren't seen. And man, it feels great when you show up for a webinar and make a million dollars, right? <laughs> like, oh yeah, ever saying your name and they love you. And, oh yeah. my gosh. So yeah. I, I think it takes a lot of um, grit and determination in order to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. But actually, Russell, there's some people out there that actually say, look, hey, you're going to have to hustle. You're just going to have to grind. And uh, you might miss some birthdays. You might miss this. You might miss that. But you know what? Your, your kids are going to appreciate that whenever you're older. They're going to understand why you did what you did. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, such a hard line. Because I think, like, I love the fact that my kids see me pursuing my dreams too. You know what I mean? Yes. And it gives them permission and like beliefs those things are are possible too. So I think, I think there's definitely time for that. But it's also... It's, there's always a cost of everything. Every decision is this two-sided coin, right? Anytime you you decide, which I think Myron Golden told us, taught us is like, decide means to cut, right? So you're mm-hmm. cutting something, so you decide. There's always two sides. Like, yes, there's a side that's that, but there's also the side where they don't get this. And so every decision, you have to remember that it's your, it's literally 
cutting and, and there's two sides. So you have to like weigh that out. Like, mm. you know, and so a lot of times for me, if I miss something, like let's say I did have to miss like Aiden, my 12 year old, the coolest kid in the world. I had to miss something for him. I can't remember what it was. And I, I felt horrible about it, but, but knowing that I was like, okay, we knew this thing. So I talked to him about it first. I was like, Hey, I have an opportunity. Are you okay if I do this? And, and he's like, on my birthday, I'm like, yeah, but what if we do something different? Like, I want to make this decision, but I don't want to like lose this for you. So what if we do your birthday party the day before? And like, we worked around it and then it made it where he was cool. That was cool. That it was a big win-win and we were able to kind of to do both. And there's not always opportunity you can do both. Right. And it's tough. I mean, it's such a hard, it's such a hard thing. You know what I mean? But I, I think it's the connection though. Like you had a connect, you have a connection with Aiden mm-hmm. and you talk to him about it. And it's that quality of time and the effort that he sees you putting in instead of it's just like, yeah, I'm just not going to be there. Yeah. Which makes a huge difference in, in how a kid grows up, I think. Yeah. As opposed to just like not being there. It's like, oh, let them, let them understand the reasons why. And then, yeah. And yeah. Like how do you make it up? Not make it up. Like I'm trying to be a bad dad and make it up to as much as <laughs> just like, Hey, the, you know, everything's choice and consequence. Like, this is a choice I want to make. The consequence I'm going to be with you on this specific day. But what if we do this choice over here and then we can make it just as good or better or whatever that thing might oh, be? Oh, yeah. And try to figure out a way that, that he still feels significance and love and connection and things like that yeah. and not the opposite, which is, you know, like, oh man, like my dad's not there for He's me. He's not choosing me, yeah. right? And so I think a, a lot of kids go, go through that. And I think as parents, um, it depends on the different age groups that you have. And mm-hmm. unless you find yourself in a situation where you, you kind of don't have that relationship with them, I feel like kids usually want to be our biggest advocates mm-hmm. and they're usually the most resilient, most forgiving, um, unless there's, you know, some damage already done there. But for the most part, if we have conversations, right, it makes the biggest difference. Yeah. And I think you said too, I'm like, I'm going to go meet this person. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. You know, whatever. And I've had some times where I'll meet somebody who my kids will know. And so I get a picture and they'll send it back to them and they, you know, they get all excited by that too, where it's also like, Oh, you know, it's special for them, not just not oh, just yeah. for you. You know what I mean? Okay, we gotta make. Have you have you met Mr. Beast yet? Not yet. No. Oh, you know they're just gonna. They I, would melt them. Um, yeah. Mr. Beast. <laughs> we need to like make that happen. Yeah. Um. So I want to bring up another question for you. That's I guess a little bit similar, but do you believe in work life balance? <laughs> it's such a hard thing. Like I've told, I've talked to us on stage before in the past. Like, like everything great that you create in your life, I believe, comes during times of like radical imbalance, right? Like, when I wanted to be a really good wrestler, like. I became unbalanced in other things like my rest or my school suffered, my relationship suffered because I wanted to pursue that goal. Right. Mm-hmm. For a period of time. Uh, when I met Colette, like I became radically balanced in that time where all my time was there. Right. And so work-life balance is hard, especially if, you, if you're in the startup phase, you, you got to spend more time. But even with that, it's not like, uh, and I guess part of it depends too. Like if you do personality profiling on your kids, you can find out like, you know, like the quality time kids need more time, but some kids like, like I'm not a quality time person. So like I don't need quality time, someone to feel love, but I'm a physical touch. So if someone gives me a hug and tells me I did a good job, number two is my um, words of affirmation. Word of affirmation. Like, yeah. like I know that. You say, good job and give me a hug. Like I'm good. Like you can walk away. And like, that's all I need. I'm good for a month, right? But other people are, you know, if it's quality time or gifts or whatever. So like I've tried to know what those things are for the kids. So that way with work-life balance, like I, I need some more time over here, but there's time still blocked out. Like I know in my day, like I, I block out my schedule where I know in the morning times I'm waking up, I'm with my kids. I know some of my kids, like I can think of like one of my kids is very much into not his looks, but he, like his, um, how he expresses himself, mm-hmm. right? Like, like we did a whole thing with, with family values and stuff. And like one of his biggest values is expression. So like every morning he comes up and he's always got something weird on. I'm like, Oh dude, you look so cool. And like, he's like, thanks dad. And then he like walks out. One of my kids, <laughs> He won't admit it, but he loves physical touch. So I was okay. messing with him, I like muscle his head and give him a hug or something, and then he's good. One of my kids is uh, anyway, they all have different things. And so in the morning, I know like if I can give them that little touch each morning, like then they felt my love. 
through the way that they receive love, right? So I try to like sink each of those. Like I know with Aiden, it's more, you know, he wants me to hug him and spend some time with him. So in the morning I spend some time with him. I drive him to school. Like I make sure if him of all the kids, like I always drive him to school because he's a kid and he's quality time. Yeah. Uh, Nora is also quality time, but also physical touch. So I just give her a hug and mess with her a little bit. And then she's good. So I try to like every morning before they leave, like give them those things and then send to my wife. And then I leave and that's like, okay, now I am entrepreneur Russell. And like the world shut down to me. Like I don't, like it's just, I, it's blocked out. And like I'm pursuing focus. that focus. Yeah. 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 And my wife and I aren't calling 20 times a day. We're not texting all throughout the day. We're not, it's like, she's doing her thing. I'm doing our thing. And like, then when I get done, I come home at night and I know that like, Hey, this is the window. And I know that, you know, which kids are going to be home right now. Okay. It's going to be Nora and Aiden. are going to be when we first get home. It's like, cool. I'm going to go spend time with them time with them. And then, you know, so for me, it's, it's not work like balance always. Cause there's, there's seasons where you shift like funnel hiking live when it comes up, like I get way shifted out, but I do know that there's those windows, which I've got those times that I'm going to be with them and I'm going to dump into them. Yeah. We did for this trip right now. We're in those who aren't obviously here. We're in Mexico right now Woo-hoo. doing a whole mastermind of paradise. But last week, my kids were with us. We spent a whole week before here. So for a whole week, we were here on the property. We hit, we hit like every single resort and beach and like we burned ourselves out and our kids out and everything, but we did that. And then they went home and now we're like here being present. And, and so it's like when I know I'm going to be locked down for a week, it's like, how do we? I don't know if compensate is the right word for no, that, but let's no, find the, the time quality. and space. Yeah. Yeah. So you create the quality time when you don't have the quantity, right? Yeah. And so for me, that's mm-hmm. been one of the biggest things is um, uh, the quality of time. But a lot of parents just think that the quality of time is going to equate to, oh, we went and watched a movie together. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the most fascinating concepts, which I love that you're bringing up, is that you've done research. There's been intentionality behind getting to know your kids, mm-hmm. how they feel and receive love, not necessarily how you uh, receive connection with your kids. Cause sometimes that can get kind of confusing. Yeah. So, but what prompted you to do that? Was there something that, um, in your life? Cause it doesn't, I, I feel like it occurs naturally to me. And I honestly, I think it might be an Enneagram three. So Enneagram threes who might be listening right now, <laughs> we think about our lives in these different <laughs> sections and we're constantly looking, how do we optimize each section? And so, um, family wise, I'm constantly thinking optimization in this column and optimization right. in this column. And, uh, I've always looked at my kids, like almost like, I need a kid avatar, you know, you've got a business avatar and you know, message, um, alignment with Mm -hmm. your avatar is going to equate to success. And it's the same thing with our kids, right? We need that, uh, the right quality of time in order to really touch their hearts, grab their hearts and know that, um, we have their hearts because whenever the poo hits the fan, we want them to come to us and to feel that connection. Right. So, but why what made you decide to do those things? Like, was there someone who came in and said, Hey, you should do this. Or did you come to it in your own? Conclusion? I think initially it started with just my wife and I trying to figure out our relationship. Cause we, oh, yeah. if you look at our, and I'll start with love languages. That's what started with us, but it's true with all the, you know, I'm obsessed with all the personality tests, yep. as you know, same, same, but it was love language initially. Like we were struggling, confused, like our relationship. And then we read the five love languages book and we did the test and like, my five and her five are exact opposite. Like they're flipped. Like the <laughs> thing that's most important to me is the least valuable to her and vice versa. And so like, you know, I'm trying to give her hugs and kisses and tell her how great she is, which means nothing to her. And she's trying to like spend time with me and give me gifts. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, I, you know, it's like, we were so opposite and like, it was just always headbutting. And it was when I realized that and I was like, oh my gosh, like, and so the whole, we did a whole experiment for a while, which was like, how do we like speak to each other in each other's love language, which is, there's pros and cons to that. And, you know, but we did it for a while. Whereas like, she tried to like show me love my way and I did my way or her way. Yeah. And it's hard because it's not natural for me to, you know, to, to do acts of kindness and clean up and like the stuff that, that makes her, you know, lights her yeah. up. And so I do those things and she lights up I'm like weird. And then vice versa, like when she gives me a hug, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, it makes the whole day right. So initially I learned it from that 
that, you know, my core relationship, which is figuring that out. And then as the kids started getting older, uh, it was interesting because I remember with the twins, we've got twin boys who are both amazing, but both so different. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, one of them, like I would tickle his back and he was like, if you start tickling his back, he will not move, which is like me, like my wife, we're in a movie and she touched my back. Like I will not move because I don't want her to like not be tickling my back. And so I'm like, <laughs> try not to breathe. Like don't mess anything up. Or, you know, like don't stop. And like he was that way. It's like I noticed the other one. Like it's just like why? Like what are you doing? Like don't touch me. You know. And so I started realizing that. So I'm like, okay. And so when we used to tuck them in bed at night, I would always tickle one of them back for a long time and tell them to talk to them and spend time that way. And the other one, I'd go and just you know like talk about again. Like dude, your the shoes you had on today were so cool. Or whatever things are. And he'd light up and get all excited. And it's like interesting. And so as new kids came out, because it was fashioning for us because they were twins. Like you think they're going to be the same and they're, they were so different. So, so we different. started to really notice it with those two. And then the next one started coming along, right? Like, oh, she's, you know, Ellie's more like down this way, or more like bowing this way. And then like, we started just noticing and then, you know, that's and so, so that awesome. for us, that's kind of the evolution of how those things came about. And love language is the easiest to see with the kids. And there, there's an easier test for the kids to see it. And then the other ones, we just started watching and started noticing like, oh, wow. Bowen's way more introverted. Down's more extrovert. You start seeing those things. You start learning the other things and start seeing where, you know, you, you get to know them better and you understand the test better. You can kind of see like where yeah. they are, you know, and where they fit in and how to, how to work with them. Hey, powerful parents. Stephanie here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Did you know that statistics show that 88% of Americans say they eat dinner with their family every night or a few times a week? I think that's a pretty awesome stat. But if you're anything like me and you're an entrepreneur, then after a day filled of putting out fires and maybe various events testing your patience, sometimes it's hard to think of questions that can help you really connect with your kids beyond the standard, how was your day? When my kids were just littles, I put together a list of questions to solve this problem and to help us have something to connect with over dinner time. And now I would love to share my curated dinner questions with you. This is good for littles and for bigs. There's lots of different varying questions in there. And these questions are going to help to ensure that the conversation is not just lively, but will bring you closer to your children while you enjoy a delicious meal together. As a listener of this podcast, you can get access to these questions at www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Once you're there, make sure to type in your best email, and I'll have my team shoot over the questions for you. Once you get the questions, I encourage you to make this a family affair. Print them out. Have your kids help you cut them out. We even grabbed a mason jar, and my kids decorated it. And that's where we put all of our questions. And that same mason jar still sits on or near our dinner table to this day. We've been using these questions for close to eight years now, and I've really enjoyed the fun conversation and connection that's come from them. I hope your family enjoys them as much as mine have. Again, that's www.powerfulparentingtribe.com. Now back to the show. Okay. So all of that is awesome. And it's funny because it's like, you've been hacking, you know, everything, not just funnels. You've been hacking your life, your kids, your family, your wife. And I love that because I totally relate to that. Whenever you talk about a lot of things, it always usually does eventually come back down to legacy. Right. Mm. Um, and I'm curious in how you were parented with your mom and your dad. Um, what, what do you think has permeated and come through in your relationship with your kids now, because obviously it's really important to you to be a father and to be a present father and to show up and to leave a legacy. But why? Cause a lot of people that doesn't, it doesn't actually get there. Yeah. It's a good question. And it's interesting. Cause I even see with my wife and I, like her upbringing versus mine and how it affects things. Like, so for like a really good example, like my dad, my dad wasn't super connected with us when we were younger, but when I started wrestling, that was his thing and he loved it. And so he, wow. He started showing up to every wrestling practice, like not just the matches, like most parents would, but every wrestling practice, my dad was there. I'm like, 
oh, like I'm doing something my dad likes. So then for me as the, you know, a pleaser, I'm like, oh, so I did more. I love it. But he was there every single time. Sometimes it drove me crazy. Sometimes I loved it, but he never missed a practice. And then he never missed a match. And he was just always there. And so for me, that they meant so much to me, right? Yeah. Whereas uh, Clet's parents were, uh, her biological father left. And so he wasn't around. And, and then her mom was super hard worker. So her mom was like taking care of everything. And so that was Clet's, you know, view of, of what a successful mom does is running everything. So Clutch really, really good at that. But she never had a dad or a mom who came to practice or came to her at things. And so it's funny now because like we go to the kids' wrestling matches and like like I miss I don't miss a practice. I don't miss a, anything I'm there. Well, Clutch never had that. She doesn't value it. So first she's like, oh yeah, let's go to the matches. And I'm like, why would you want to miss this? Like it's the most important thing in the world. Like but she never so I think part of it's like we see like what we valued out of from our parents' relationship. And if it valued us, usually it's like the thing that you you come back with, like yep. even Claire. Look at her, like she's not she doesn't go to all the kids, all the things. But man, she's an amazing mom who's who's there, who's present, who's like every day taking care of all. And like she's super she's super serving. woman, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's what her mom with, that she saw. I think, I think either with parents usually we do exactly what they do or the exact opposite. If we really hate it, you know what I mean? But totally. for me, those th- things, my dad that I that I that I loved. And so I think for a lot of it was just like I know the things that my dad did that made me feel special. And so I, I tried to do those to my kids and it's being there for, you know, it's being there at yeah. their sports or whatever the things that they, they love trying to, to be there as much as I can. Yeah. And so I don't know if that answers the question. Not, no, but, no, definitely yeah. does. And I, I think it's really cool because I, I kind of think that uh, in parenting, we are either avoiding the pain that we experienced or we're trying to recreate the pleasure that we experienced yeah. in parenting. And so it's, it's refreshing and interesting uh, to hear that, you had that positive thing with your father and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that happens for my kids. And you're modeling that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did ask, you know, a lot of people, you're, you're such an awesome community leader and you do so much to speak to entrepreneurs around this area. And I asked, Hey, does anybody have any questions for Russell? <laughs> and, and one of them was, uh, interesting because they really wanted to know, uh, what does it look like? What kind of sacrifices are you making now to make sure that you are spending quality time with your kids? And I know a little bit of it, but for those who maybe don't, what what are you doing now? What are the intentional choices you're making in order to be a good father and to be there in their lives? The f- the first time I like, I really did it. Like it, did, outside of just like these are my times with my kids. The very first time was my kids. Uh, the twins got into junior high, and there's a wrestling program there, so I was so excited for them to wrestle. And um, and I knew I wanted to be part of it, but I didn't know when the season was starting. Anyway, it started one day that I didn't know. And uh, so my kids went to because they knew they were supposed to go there. And so they had the first practice. And then my wife called, you know, Colette called me on the way home. And she's like, down the phone with wrestling today. I'm like, wait, it started today? Like, I didn't know that. And they're like, they hated it. They never want to go back. All this stuff. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> this is all I think in my mind. Worst this is the most nightmare. important thing in the world. Yeah. So I was like, oh. So I came home and I talked to them. And they were like, it was horrible. And like, they told me all the reasons I hated it. And I was like, okay. And this is in the middle of, I mean, all the things. Fun hacking lives and events. Oh, and watching gosh. books and all these things. And and so I called the, I found the phone number for the coach and I was like, Hey, my kids wrestle. Are you there today? You know, we got to know each other a little bit. I was like, can I come help? He's like, sure. I'm like, okay, I'm going to come every day. And, and so I remember going back to my assistant at the time. I'm like, Hey, you need to block off my calendar at 2.30 every day. There's wrestling practice. And she's like, like every day. I'm like, well, five days a week. And then here's all the tournaments and all that, you know, so I gave her the calendar, the schedule. And she's like, how's this going to be possible? Like you have so much stuff on your calendar. She's like, like, there's like, you have a full day that we can barely jam everything in. And you're now going to leave every day at two 30 and take, you know, most Friday, Saturdays off for the next like four months. And I'm like, yes, figure it out. And it was, it was chaos. That was not, I didn't prepare for it. I wasn't ready for it, but I knew at two 30 wow. day, if I wasn't there, my kids are not going to pursue this thing. Right. And so I'd be working, working, working. Also I'm like, Oh, my alarm would go off. I'm like, 
running, grabbing my, you know, going to the bathroom at Cliffhorn's headquarters, putting on my wrestling shoes, putting on some shorts, <laughs> and then racing to the middle school, like showing up and like trying to find my kids and convince them this was the greatest thing in the world, you know? And, and that was the first year. I remember that first year was so hard because I still had to, like, I still had those three hours of work I needed to do. Like, right. and so I'd come home and I get the kids to bed at 9.30 till one o'clock, whatever it was, I'd like try to catch up. And it was just, it was exhausting that first season. So um, when it ended, things kind of snapped back to normal. I was like, okay, I have to prepare for eight months from now when this starts again, you know? And so I started wow. trying to organize my life and get things prepared and shift things around. So when the next season came, I was able to know that, you know, my team knew like, okay, when this month happens, this is where Russell's schedule shifts, you know? And so it's still hard though, because we still have so many things, but now at least we know what we're preparing for. But yeah, I, have, I mean, four months out of the year from 2.30 till 6, I am wrestling coach, dad at the high school now, you know, ever, so three years in middle school. And this will be the kids' fourth year in high school. So this will be my seventh year wow. coaching this year. And it's just that. And it's always happening to find times to slide and all the other things. Plus then I'd already do soccer now. So now we're like, there's also soccer, you know, and just, yeah. as a kid's school, there's more things that keep sliding in. And I know. More and more and crazy. more. It's crazy. Yeah. So, but do you feel like you because you've made those decisions, do you feel like you had to sacrifice some things and just kind of be like, Hey, it's going to be what it's going to be. I think so. But also like, I try to remember it's like uh, all the business, the entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship stuff we're doing is fun, but like, we're not sacrificing entrepreneurship to be a dad, right? It's the opposite. It's like, I'm a dad first. Like that's, that's the goal. Like all the business stuff is fun and it keeps our minds engaged and fun and growing, but it's, it doesn't actually matter. I tell my team that a bunch of times. Like, it doesn't actually, like, also we're doing doesn't really matter. When all's said and done, like, it's something to entertain us while we're here for the next 80 years. And then yeah. we're gone. But the things that actually matter are the rest of them. So it's not like I'm sacrificing entrepreneurship to be a parent. It's like, I'm a parent and then I get to fill in entrepreneurship in the gaps, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of the way I look at it more so. Um, you heard that, I don't know if it's an analogy or story, but they talk about, like, Someone's got a big glass jar and there's rocks and there's sand. They're like yeah. you put these both in there, and if you throw the sand in first and put the rocks, it's impossible. But if you take it out and put the rocks in first and dump the mm-hmm. sand around, it fills it all up, right? And like I think that's what it is. Like in my calendar, I know like these months I'm with my kids these times, and here's the vacation we're gonna go on. Here's the, and so we kind of block out those things and like cool. There's the things that are hard coded that matter the most, and then everything else kind of will fit in between it or it won't happen. And that's more so. So it's less of a sacrifice to the kids as much as it's what do I, you know. How could How you really not? walk those out? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's awesome because like you said, at the beginning of the podcast, you said a lot of people get into business so that they can be with their family or create a different outcome for the family, but then they look up and then they don't have a family left mm-hmm. after it's all said and done with. But you're literally saying like no opportunity is, is a sacrifice really, truly. It's the family, mm-hmm. family first, right? Sure. I love that so much. Um, so we do need to wrap it up cause we're getting low on time, but, um, Right now, we have this epidemic of screens happening in our lives, right? Um, I like to say we're digital nomads raising digital natives, right? And and so we, we've got screens everywhere happening in our lives and even ourselves, you know, like we're picking up our phone hundreds of times a day. Um, and gosh, there's so much going on. You've got a little and you've got teens, you know, moving into adulthood soon. Mm. What's it been? What does it look like for you with screens in your home? It's been... Yeah, it's been honestly like, the hardest thing because it's, yeah. it's, you know, we held back giving our kids any kind of phones for so long. Like we were like the last parents, the last people. And like <laughs> our kids were so, you know, we tortured them so bad by fighting it. We kept it a long time. But it honestly, I don't know, it's one of those things where there's, there's benefits because they're in a world where there's going to be screens. So they have to be aware of it. It's not something like, I don't think they, not giving them is the answer. 
Um, but also I don't feel like blocking everything. Like we tried for a while, like we're going to block everything and like make that the answer. And that's hard too. And then you're always searching and checking and, and like, which isn't the, the right way either. Right. So the thing we've been trying, I don't, I don't know if this is perfect or not. So don't quote me on like, don't do a course on this yet. Cause <laughs> my kids are experimenting. So hopefully I'm not messing them up. But, uh, one of my mentors names, Joseph Smith, he said that, um, we teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves. And that's, um, what he, he said. And so for us, it's like, trying to teach my kids correct principles and then trust them, which is so hard, especially when sometimes they're not trustworthy and they do stupid things and you find out about it. But it's like, that's like what we're trying to live by right now. And it's, and it's painful as a parent because sometimes they do do stupid things and you see it and you're just like, but I also don't know if the right answer is coming down. And what I want to do is lock them in the room with handcuffs to their bed. And like, you can't (laughs) move for six months. And maybe that is the right answer. I don't know yet, but like, that's the, what we're trying to do right now is that is teach them correct principles and let them govern themselves. And then it's coming back and each week, you know, after church on Sunday, we have family night. We sit down family night. We talk about like the principles, like teaching correct principles and help them understand these things. And because, um, oh, there's another quote, which I'll probably get wrong, but it's, there was a philosopher who said like, ah, if you could explain to me why, and like, it was, it was, don't tell me what to do, but if you can explain to me why I should do something, then I'll move heaven and earth to do it. Like that's kind of the thoughts. Like how do we teach them why it's important? If they can do that, then they'll, and so versus if I just handcuff them, they're only used to handcuff as soon as they sneak away, they're going to, cause I remember when I got punished as a kid, like if my parents punched me and like locked me away in a thing, cool. But I might sneak out of my school and myself, like I'm going to break all the rules again. Like how do we, how do we teach them the correct principles? So that's what we're trying to do. And again, it's an imperfect science right now, but I love my kids and we're trying so hard. It's lots of pain associated, but also like sometimes they really impress you and you're so proud of them. And um, so that's kind of where we are in the journey. So hopefully your course will help us as long. Well, so <laughs> here's, long the, here's the thing is I don't, I don't know that there is a perfect formula for any one family. Like every kid is so different and, yeah. and every parent is so different. And I feel like every single parent is the parent for the job. Mm-hmm. Like you got a kid, the kid is there. You're meant to parent them. Right. So, but it's your job to figure it out. Right. So yeah. I wish I could snap my fingers and like have like the perfect <laughs> here's the course. Answer. Here's the answer. Right. But I think you're doing and modeling exactly what we all have to do, which is figure it out. We have to pray. Mm-hmm. We've got to learn how to love our children well, not in the light of how we want to be loved, but how they actually need us to love them, which is selfless love, which mm-hmm. helps us to grow, right? Um, but the, I love that you said that about the self-governing. We literally have a sign in our home and it hangs up, talks about self-governing and what mm-hmm. the definition of it is and, um, and, and what that looks like in our home because with technology for us as well, it's, we're not anti-technology. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a computer <laughs> geek. Like I, my husband plays games. We play games, right? And so it's not about that. It's just about being pro-connection. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer that if you have your child's heart and you're connected, then that's, that's like, I think like 95% of the battle. If we can love them well, like yeah. that's, that's it, right? And that, that is leaving the legacy because if they have a place to belong and they feel loved by you, that is an impression that that can be replaced or refuted by any one thing. Just like mm-hmm. you're carrying around the love of your father in your life, mm-hmm. and it's having implications on how you're choosing to raise your kids. It, it imp- I'm at right now, probably the love of your parents has impacted me, mm-hmm. right? Because it enabled you to show up how you're showing up now. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's it's so powerful to be in a position of a parent. But we oftentimes we get muddled up, right? And we, we get muddled up in all the little things and all the, the things that make us feel horrible or like we're the worst parents ever. I'm screwing up my kids. They're going to need so much like therapy. Um, but in reality, they're, they're resilient. And if you can learn to love them well, it, it's a huge impact. And it sounds like 
you were doing a lot of really incredible things to do that. Trying our best. It's painful though. Like parenting has been the hardest thing we've ever done by far. And it's interesting because the things I thought would be hard are different. You know, like I thought my kids were going to love the things I do. And the harder thing is like when my kids don't love something I love and still <laughs> loving them. And that's hard because I thought like, these are the things that I experienced in my life that gave me so much happiness and so much joy. And I want them to experience it. And then when they hate it or they fight against it, they don't want to do it. And this is true for me in our kids right now, like with wrestling, like two of my kids hate wrestling. Oh, I have kids who do not like going to church. I have kids like all the things that, that meant so much to me, that still mean so much to me and they're fighting against it. And it's like, how do I love them no matter what? Which is hard to do. But like so many people in this life never have someone who loves them unconditionally. And so that's been the thing as I want to strangle my kids sometimes. I'm like, I have to be the one who loves them unconditionally no matter what or else yeah. they'll disappear. And I have friends, I have family members who, who don't talk to parents anymore because the parents are so much trying to force them to do a thing. And it's like, that would be the worst. Like, that's what I don't want. Like, how do we, like, how do you give them unconditional love even when they're going against everything you do or believe or value? It is such a hard mm -hmm. thing, but I feel like that's the, yeah. Anyway. But isn't that the beauty of it though? Because yeah. if we can learn to unconditionally love someone, it helps us be more like God, right? Yeah. Helps Because that's how he loves us. And then whenever we're able to figure out how to do it for our kids, which is incredibly hard for us as these, you know, fallible, imperfect <laughs> so hard, humans, yeah. <laughs> right? But it, it shows us a glimpse of how much we're loved. And then, and we hope that it shows our kids the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. incredible. Well, Russell, <laughs> I have like a gazillion more questions here for you, but we are <laughs> we should definitely- We part two coming up. <laughs> yes. We, we should definitely do that. But uh, I think that this is one of the most important things that we can be talking about because the whole idea is like, you don't want to build an empire online and then lose the kingdom at home. Yeah. Right. And I think it's C.S. Lewis who said that that raising children is the most important work. I'm probably mm -hmm. totally messing that up. But um, I think that you're doing such a wonderful job of, of living that example. And I just want to say on behalf of like the uh, the click funnel, the digital marketing space that I, we appreciate that about you. Um, it's impacted my life and it's given me a model uh, to be able to say, look, he can do it so I can do it. Because there's not a lot of people out there that do that and that choose to put family first and, and actually talk about it. There's some really incredible entrepreneurs putting family first, but to actually kind of just show everybody like, look, this is important. We can do this. Mm -hmm. And so we can kind of have our cake and eat it too, if you will, yeah. <laughs> through a lot of term world. But we have it all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Thank you so much, Russell. We really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, maybe a part two will be in the future. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> I truly hope you enjoyed our episode today on the Powerful Parenting Journey podcast. Make sure to hit follow and subscribe so that you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You're not going to want to miss a thing. I promise. If you were impacted by this episode, do me a favor and leave a review with a comment. I read every one of them and I also pass them along to our guests. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links at powerfulparenting.com forward slash podcast. If you want to see more behind the scenes with me and my guests, be sure to find me on Instagram or Facebook. It's where we can have deeper conversations on these podcasts. Take care. And remember, it's not about being a perfect parent. It's about taking each day and working on showing up powerfully for our kids. They deserve it, and you are the parent for the job. See you on the next episode.